0: It's time to take the quiz. 5 questions, 5 minutes a day, 5 days a week.
1: Take the quiz every weekday at the quiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course listen to the quiz at the quiz.fox.
2: Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends. It's America's receptive voice. Brian, thanks so much for listening,
3: everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. Brian Kilmeade Show, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We know today the president of the United States is going to be doing a Zoom call with the president of India. Hey, India, will you stop supporting uh, Vladimir Putin? He's an evil thug. Would you have supported Stalin? Would you have supported uh, Hitler? My goodness, that better come up Austria's leader, who's uh, somehow neutral in this war while condemning Russia is going over to meet in Russia with Vladimir Putin. Uh, That guy is, every time you see a a dead baby, uh, a a dead 55-year-old grandma, or 31 dead over the weekend because they're about to get on a commuter train, that is Vladimir Putin. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
4: Number three. Trump and his right-wing followers have continued to do whatever they can to discredit the family and therefore bring Joe down.
3: Really? Uh, I think the family's doing enough to discredit itself. The Biden cash machine has been providing funds for Joe's sister, but Aunt Valerie is no help for Hunter. As she blames the right for his unfair treatment, yes, it's the right's fault. He dates hookers, smokes crack, and trades off the family name to deals with unsavory nations as an indictment looms. And I predict major problems for Joe around the world. Yeah, it is the right's fault.
5: Number 2.
6: By the end of the first term of Joe Biden, nearly 20% of all Americans will be here illegally. That means in Joe Biden's first term, we will have more people come into te- into America illegally than we have in the entire state of Texas
3: illegal immigration and the undoing of the Democratic majority as a tone-deaf administration not only doesn't control the border promises, it promises to blow it open with the evaporation of Title 42. And now even his own party is turning on him. We'll explain.
0: Number one.
7: Well, it's more than just a stalemate because this battle that's shaping up in the East, what the Russian army is essentially trying to do is cut off the Ukrainian army and then kill it. And if it can do that, then the rest of the country is open.
3: Uh, That is David Martin doing the reporting on the next phase of this war. Ukraine wins the opener, but with horrific – paying a horrific price. Russia is going south and east in order to go back and win the West. Simply, we got to see – we got to send weapons to Ukraine. They have to win, or the barbarians will storm the country and take the next one, which is Moldova, and then rattle the cages of Sweden and Finland not to join uh, NATO. And you got to wonder if you're a NATO nation, are we really going to hold to Article 5? So let's think about this uh, when you talk about what's happening in the war. The American people are asked by CBS Are you for providing economic sanctions, putting economic sanctions on Russia? 78% say yes. Are you for providing all weapons to Ukraine? 72% say yes. Troops to protect NATO allies? 63% say yes. U.S. troops to Ukraine, 25 percent. I have news for you. Don't even ask the question. We're not sending troops. But you know what we should be sending? Tanks. Uh, We should be sending those uh, armored transportation vehicles that we're just wasting and I think we're about to destroy because we're not in Afghanistan and for the most part Iraq anymore. And we should be making sure that they get the MiGs. Good news. Uh, Slovakia sent the S-300 missile defense system and the Czech Republic is supplying tanks. Really not sure why we're not supplying tanks. Really not sure. But I know this. Kharkiv, the regional administrator says that in northern, uh, the northern eastern area of Ukraine where Kharkiv is located, well, they're launching about 66 artillery and mortar strikes today to beat them up again. They're still pounding the southeastern port city of Mariupol. We know that for sure. And we also know that they continue to shell schools and hospitals to the tune of, get this, 105 separate attacks on hospitals, ambulance and other healthcare facilities. That's the type of evil we're dealing with. Here is Vladimir Zelensky on 60 Minutes last night and just pleading. Now, he can't alienate an American president because they we are their chief supplier and their and their main hope. Cut one.
8: And so what are you asking of President Biden? To tell you the truth, long ago, I asked President Biden for very specific items. He has the list. President Biden can enter history as the person who stood shoulder to shoulder with the Ukrainian people who won and chose the right to have their own country. This also depends on him.
3: Yes, on him doing something. Not going with his instincts, which gives us things like Afghanistan. ISIS is a JV team. Uh, ousting prosecutors he doesn't like who are doing bad deals, he thinks, with his son. But the guy who's showing great courage, maybe it's only to save his political skin. is far as Johnson, do you know he was in Kiev over the weekend? And he's pledging all types of uh, weaponry, including an anti-ship missiles. Anti-ship missiles. We don't provide them because we're concerned about an escalation. Isn't the U.K. concerned about an escalation? They can hit them a lot easier. Here's Boris Johnson,
9: cut five. But what this war is certainly producing is a clarity about the vision of a future uh, for Ukraine, where together with friends and partners, we, the U.K. and others, supply the equipment, the technology, the the know-how, the intelligence... So that Ukraine will never be invaded again. So that Ukraine is so fortified and so protected that Ukraine can never be bullied again, never be blackmailed again, never be threatened in the same way again.
3: Believe me, nobody wants to fight the Ukrainian army. They're as good as uh, anybody outside America in the world at fighting all they need in arms. It's a dream. Remember in Afghanistan, we put all that money in to get the Afghans to fight for themselves, and they would fight to a degree, and the special operations were fine, but they needed our air support. You know what the Ukrainians are saying? Give us anything. Give us the planes. Give us shoulder-fired missiles. You know, you gave us the javelins. I appreciate it. We need the harpoons. That's what we need. We need a missile defense system that actually knock planes out of the sky if you won't give us – a no-fly zone. I understand why the no-fly zone does not make sense. But now we see an eight-mile convoy of Russian military vehicles making its way through eastern Ukraine. That happened over the weekend. I imagine they arrived. We should be blowing them. We can't blow them up, but I would think we should give them the equipment to blow them up themselves, get those javelins, start uh, rocketing them. Because what the Putin wants to do is destroy the Ukrainian elite units in the Donbass area and then move their units right up north and take Kyiv. So that's what they're going to do, and they're going to try to do it in a wide-open field, World War II style. Here's David Martin, cut nine. He talks more about this.
7: Well, it's more than just a stalemate, because this battle that's shaping up in the East, what the Russian army is essentially trying to do is cut off the Ukrainian army and then kill it. And if it can do that, then the rest of the country is open. Mm -hmm. Now, I think Vladimir Putin learned the hard way that he does not have enough troops to occupy The entire country. But the further he can advance, the stronger his hand at whatever negotiating table he ends up at.
3: And he ends up, if he gets to the south into the Donbass area, he gets the iron, he gets the coal, he gets the oil. And he gets the ocean view. And it leaves Ukraine landlocked and threatened again for another five years when they rebuild their army and their reputation to try to rattle their cage again. Or we could could tag him with a, a massive defeat. Reputation in tatters, his economy a mess. And maybe even overthrow them. You make the call. It's pretty easy. Next, let's talk about immigration. Right now, we're going to get say goodbye to Title 42, which means we had a right to turn around single men coming to our country because of the pandemic. They're not vaccinated. We should have been turning around everybody. Keep in mind, the president is begging for more COVID funds. He says we need them. We need more vaccines. We need more shots. we got to subsidize the therapeutics. we got to be able to help out all these industries who suffered during the pandemic. But at the same time, you say the pandemic's over in the South. I can't keep Title 42 in place. It is nuts. We're going to get 18,000 just in the Texas area a day flooding our border. That does not work. It is crazy. Here's Lieutenant uh, Governor Dan Patrick uh, talking about what this will mean in actual numbers. He talked to Fox and Friends over the weekend. Cut 17.
6: By the end of the first term of Joe Biden, nearly 20% of all Americans will be here illegally. MIT did a study before Biden became president that we had about 30 million people here illegally in Texas because we've been apprehending about 400,000 a year for the last 20 years. We get one out of three. That means over 20 years, that's 24 million people at a minimum. In this first term of Biden, last year, we apprehended over 2 million. If we get one out of three, that's six that came in. We're projecting two and a half million this year. That means seven and a half million will come in if we apprehend one out of three. That means in Joe Biden's first term, we will have more people come into te- into America illegally than we have in the
3: entire state of Texas. How is that acceptable? That's why they're shipping him to D.C. They're desperate. They should be suing the federal government for not doing their job. So Henry Cuellar, Democrat, moderate from, that, from the uh, Laredo area. Tweeted this out, Title 42 should not be lifted. Some of us are standing up and saying this is the right thing to do for the border. We will all believe in immigration reform, but we don't want chaos at the border. We want law and order at the border. He sounds like an old school Democrat. This sounds like an American who understands right and wrong. Joining him, Senator Kelly, Senator Cinema, bipartisan legislation. I think Congressman Gonzalez is a Democrat. I also think that Warnock has mentioned that, but hasn't signed on to it. Any clear-thinking person would sign on to this because they know it's bad for the country, it's bad for the people that put them in place. Cut 16, Jim Jordan. 1.7 1.7
10: illegal immigrants crossed our border in one year's time, 14 months time under this administration. They're only going to make the problem worse. And frankly, you can't have it both ways. You can't say COVID is so serious still that we need billions of more dollars of American tax money and at the same time say we're getting rid of Title 42, which is the only thing <laughs> keeping a chaotic situation from getting worse.
3: Nuts. When we come back, Hunter Biden gets defense from his aunt who says that he's been targeted and, and smeared by right-wingers. Really? Targeted and smeared by right-wingers. We're going to look at the former crack addict, I hope former, who left his wife for his brother's widow, who spent his time videotaping his exploits with hookers and strippers, and it's the right-wing that's hurting Hunter Biden and the Biden family. The audacity of this family continued to make money off their name just knowing they feel impervious to any type of real media scrutiny, well, they're getting it now. Don't move. you listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here.
2: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
4: The campaign met and exceeded my expectations of being ugly and degrading, disrespectful, a disservice to the country. Trump and his right-wing followers have continued to do whatever they can to discredit the family and therefore bring Joe down.
3: He had the easiest campaign ever, by the way. I don't know what she is talking about, but uh, I will say this. i am just got uh, some TVs to handle here. Let me just lower this. But that is the sister of Joe Biden. And that sister of Joe Biden is complaining that the campaign was rougher and, and worse than she ever thought. He sat in his basement, did absolutely no campaigning, no engaging, no live events. The ones he showed up were barely attended, in people in cars. He's a terrible speaker. He's the only way he would have got elected is if a pandemic happened and there were no other candidates. If he ever had to actually go out and earn his votes, traditionally— Joe Biden never would have done it. But the audacity of the Bidens, Jim Biden doing deals with his name on them, Hunter Biden doing deals, trading on his family name, not caring what happens. When his laptop gets exposed, he writes a book does not even prepare to answer the question, is that your laptop with all the naked pictures and crack smoking and indications of uh, deals with the Chinese government among them? And now that sister comes out and blames the media and the right wing for Joe's, for Hunter's attacks? Here's Peter Schweitzer, cut 22.
0: I first exposed the Biden's ties to China back in 2018. Then you had the laptop emerge and the mainstream media has ignored that story from the beginning. So the sad reality is, Brian, if you are counting on The New York Times or The Washington Post to know what's going on in the world, particularly as it relates to the first family of the United States, you are not going to get anywhere near the information uh,
7: that gives you a realistic picture.
3: So we know that Hunter Biden is on the cusp of being indicted. What's underappreciated is the money that he actually worked out with the CEFC company was money that's directly tied to the Chinese government that was funding the Belt and Road program that was undermining American interests all across the world. So the money earned there during the last two years of his vice presidency was Hunter Biden out there trading on his parents, on his dad's name. Earning money while his dad was in office. I mean, if I'm Barack Obama, I'm going to be naive to think Barack Obama doesn't know anything about this. I don't think he'd ever sign off on it. Why would he risk his legacy with the vice president's kids making money for a president, for a vice president that's been in office for 40 years and somehow has got a bunch of mansions? Remember the text from Hunter to his daughter, Naomi? I hope you—this is uh, what Hunter writes— I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's been really hard. But don't worry. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. This is a huge story. And the sister comes out to attack the media and Republicans. Howard, listen, Ocean Grove, New Jersey. Hey, Howard.
5: Hey, good morning, Brian. Uh, It feels like uh, all of us who are whining incessantly about every failure of the Biden administration— Uh, which goes from every single thing he touches, are missing the main point, which is he's accomplished most of what the progressive actually want, and they're not happy with him. And it just seems to me we need to focus on where we're headed if somehow these things are able to continue, as opposed to, you know, obviously there's a bullet point point list of all the things that are wrong, you know, from Afghanistan to energy to the border to crime to, you know, the whole litany of stuff. But I feel like the, the, the pundits and the people that are running the PACs and all the stuff for the Republicans and conservatives are missing the point of saying, you know, the AOC is in this world and his base. They don't think he's done enough. And God know. knows where we're going if we don't stop but What this. you do
3: is, it, Howard, as you know, it's told being a leader. I got to do what's best for the country. And if I take off the squad who are fringe and if I take off some moderate left, how, so be it. I mean, right now, if you want the country going in the right direction, it's not way to the left. And if he's been doing this, he's 79 years old. At one point, can you do the right thing and not worry about your left wing? What does he care about the future of the party? Can you talk about the future of America? And he has not accomplished much. I mean, he had the bipartisan infrastructure deal, and he got a free ticket of about $2 trillion to spend on some COVID programs, and many of which is not studied, uh, as not uh, been uh, come to fruition that have been spent, and in turn he's been slapped in the face with inflation that's about eight percent. Immigration policy has got thirty-seven percent approval rating. I don't really think he's accomplished much at all. Uh, that's scary. Don in Missouri. Hey Don, let's talk Ukraine. Hey, you know, Don, I what's on your mind?
5: This is an opportunity to uh, uh, put the last nail in Russia's coffin if we turn. Ukraine loose. Absolutely. We could, we could basically do do them in by proxy, just supply Ukraine with enough weapons to do it.
3: It's a dream come true for us. I mean, it's a dream come true for the world, for the free world. This guy, they, The Russians have been shown to have a hollow military. Their economy is the size of New York State. They're a decreasing population, unwieldy, more and more unwieldy by the day. And they used to. We used to think they have this elite military. What they are doing is lazy, bloodthirsty attacks. A lack of skill.
2: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
0: Putin doesn't want a war with NATO uh, I- any more than, than we do with him. Uh, deterrence is a two-way street. Uh, and now that we've seen just how bad uh, the Russian military is, he couldn't take on uh, 30 NATO nations plus the United States. So let's give the Ukrainians everything they need to win to win this fight not let it settle into a stalemate where they continue to lose more and more and more of their country uh, over time.
3: Congressman Mike Walsh knows a thing or two about war, former Green Beret, now congressman from, from, uh, from Florida. Uh, Yula jo- uh, Yulia Jola joins us right now. She's the director of Frontier European Initiative, senior fellow at the Middle, uh, Middle East Institute, former deputy project manager at NATO and Allied Command transformational and adjunct professor at Georgetown. Yulia, welcome.
13: Hi, it's good to be with you.
3: Uh first off, what is what do you how close are we to hitting giving President Zelensky his whole punch list of weapons?
13: We're pretty far away, I'm afraid. We've um we've gotten ourselves into this kind of fake narrative of defensive and offensive weapons and the fear, we've been driven by the fear of escalation because indeed Russia consider, considers everything a war declaration, including sanctions. And so um, we have given them bits and pieces, particularly of older equipment and particularly of. Um, handheld um, small equipment, short range equipment. And basically, for the last few weeks, we've had this debacle on both sides of the Atlantic within Europe and here in the United States of what we deem as escalatory or non escalatory. We're moving slowly away from that particularly through the leadership of um, Eastern and Central European countries such as Poland, Um, but we're not there yet. A few weeks ago, Zelensky was saying, if you would give us from NATO just 1% of your equipment, this would be enough. And so we're moving closer to that, but we still have um, big problems in, um, in giving them the weapons that they need to actually make a difference on the ground in the sense of securing a Ukrainian victory, which means destroying all the Russian capabilities that they're using to attack Ukraine. That means stuff that is not just on Ukrainian territory, but is in the Black Sea, the 20 to 30 ships, is in um, Belarus, is in Russia at the border. Why are we, we not Ukraine. in the international
3: waters? Why are we not in the international waters? Why are we, why are we not try making an effort to get these, these uh, the Black Sea is now mined? Why are we not making an effort to get some of those mines out of there?
13: I have no idea and it's a very good question. That's a big problem. It's full of mines. They've mined um the the whole perimeter from Odessa to the Bosphorus. And what the Turks are saying here is that they have to apply what they call what is the Montreux Convention which limits access from outside powers chew into, um, into the Black Sea. But indeed, we've been talking about a NATO Black Sea fleet ever since um, 2014. Now with the latest summer um, summit, we've not even put it on the table. And it's a desperate thing that we need, not just for Ukrainian security, but also for our own NATO security. Um we cannot operate in that sea, Black Sea countries cannot NATO countries cannot operate in that sea because Russia is denying us access, and we shouldn 't we shouldn 't accept that um, so now they have I, to I call up to sixty
3: see- right now they have to call up sixty thousand their reservists they 've had a couple of units so beat up and destroyed and decimated they can 't even reconstitute now in Belarus. I understand the good news is Slovakia has given up. Uh, given the th- uh, the s 300s over because they got the patriots from us, and the Czech Republic that's is uh, now supplying tanks now the u k says they're going to be spying anti ship missiles if the u k can do it, I cannot believe America's not going to be able to give it give up uh give them our our
13: harpoons yeah that's right you know actually those anti ship missiles have already arrived the other day in Odessa, so i'm looking forward to seeing them in action. Yeah. But we do see but we do see here disparity between, as you're pointing out correctly, some Central and Eastern European countries and the UK who are leading on this with the Biden administration being far too reluctant and far too um, driven by fear of escalation when we, the United States, should be out there leading on this.
3: So I want you to hear what Senator Mitch McConnell said, and I I was just struck by How bland Jake Sullivan is. I understand people are, you know, you can't be over-emotional. Between him and Anthony Blinken, there's absolutely zero inspiration there. As opposed to the vibrant Boris Johnson, love him or not, as well as Zelensky is an inspirational figure. You love him or not. Here's Senator Mitch McConnell on what we're not doing and what they're not saying. Cut 13.
8: Here's the problem. Secretary Austin was repeatedly asked at a hearing this week, what is our goal there? And he... Never state what I think is clearly our goal in Ukraine. We want the Ukrainians to win, to win, to defeat the Russians, for the Russians to withdraw from the country, and that ought to be our goal. I think the administration-
3: so. That's very simple. You have a lot of Democrats who feel the same way. Uh, you, uh, uh, Yulia, I've just been struck by what this administration is thinking. I hear it is President Biden specifically that's stopping this again.
13: You know, we've seen this from the outstart. And it's not just Mitch McConnell who says that. um, uh, Senator Ben Sasse said it very simply as well. If it shoots, ship it. But um, we see uh, within the Biden administration a difference in Strategy, if we can call it that. Remember, before the war, they said they're going to help in um, counter or in insurgency. So they were already assuming that Ukraine is going to lose um, and that there will be an insurgency from NATO countries, um, training Ukrainians over there to get them back to fight for um, the capital. Um, And that's gone just completely in a different direction, as we've seen, thank God. But we need, indeed, a winning strategy. And we need yet to hear the Biden administration saying that the United States' goal is a clear a victory off Ukraine. I haven't heard that said yet. And so that that should be your strategy. Uh, Senator um, uh, McConnell and others are right. Um, but we have yet to see that articulated. Yeah,
3: uh, Yulia, what, the NATO seems to be pretty unified. They want to help. Uh, but they're sitting on the outside. We're watching. What is it? Uh, something like uh, nine thousand kids have been abducted. You see how civilians, uh, all men just been shot in civilian clothing, Uh, mayors buried with their families who are protesting. And every time the Russians are confronted, they seem to be losing against the Ukrainian military. So they're haphazardly targeting civilian sites and killing them in cold blood. And I wonder, at what point does NATO say, even though they're not a member, how can we honestly say that this is okay? Okay. When, when, when are we ramping up? They're still buying a billion dollars worth of energy of, of oil and gas from the Russians a day. You know, the European that, Union nation. So what can you you've been in closed doors with them when those doors close and they stay here from Zelensky and they know Ukraine is right on their doorstep. What could be done to persuade them to do more?
13: You know, that's a very good question to ask, and I'm afraid we're seeing here again the same patterns um, from particularly um, continental European leaders, and I'm looking at Germany and France. France indeed has less um, energy dependence on, um, on Russia. But both of them have been veto powers, have applied their veto back in 2008 when the United States put on the table Ukraine's and Georgia's membership. Now we know uh, we know that if we would have granted them membership action plan, they would now be in, in NATO and none of this would have happened. 2014, Ukraine, 2008, Georgia now this uh, major invasion. So um we see basically no change in their position um, of France and Germany as um, Europe's um, major powers as opposed to the UK. And um, and that indeed worries me. That's a question that Ukrainians Central and Eastern Europeans and the Brits are asking, how many more uh, massacres do you need to see for this to change? Unfortunately, we don't have an answer yet. And what we continue to see, Is Germany um, blocking? They delayed um, the coal um, sanctions by a few months. That was just a tiny move that the EU um, did recently. They delayed, um, Chancellor Scholz has um, vetoed or delayed um, weapons um, transfers to to Ukraine. So we see more of the same. And honestly, I think it takes the Biden administration, it would take the United States administration to put their foot down and say, no more of this, you have to change your position, and what can be done in terms of just um, just a simple movement is for the United States to impose an embargo on oil and gas against Um, against uh, Russia and impose secondary sanctions. So then Germany and France would be under sanctions if they would continue to buy um, Russian energy, and this would put an end to it. This would stop Russia's war machine.
3: Uh, Yula, uh, uh, Jojad, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it.
13: Thank you
3: for having me. Uh, Hopefully they have the conviction. The American people are there. The president's not. Usually the president says, this is the policy. It's best for our country. The American people aren't behind it. So how do I convince them? No, the American people are there. you got a majority of Democrats are there. But your instincts are absolutely terrible, Mr. President. And again, you gave us Afghanistan. You told us the JV team and General Austin was the general at the time. You told us the J team, JV team was in Iraq. You engineered the pullout of Iraq prematurely. We had to go back there and fix it after the surge. And now your instincts are leading us down a dark path and the Ukrainians towards a brutal death unless we can rush them weapons. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. When we come back, I will take some of your calls, one 408 7669 And also talk about what Elon Musk decided to do over the weekend about Twitter.
2: Learning something new every day. On The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
6: We live in a different age where Twitter is the market, the public square now. If you deny someone's right to speak on Twitter, you're basically saying you don't have free speech rights. Twitter also said you couldn't, they banned you talking about whether coronavirus came from a lab. And it may well have. And even the Biden administration admits that now. We don't know where coronavirus came from, but there's no reason to think it couldn't have emerged from a lab. They had a lab in Wuhan that was studying coronavirus. And you couldn't even discuss
1: this.
6: That's outrageous. I I think that's what Elon Musk wants to fix at Twitter.
3: That's what I hope he wants to fix at Twitter. That was the premise of my One Nation Open last night, that if he could fix that, put Trump back on... Other important people back on, then all of a sudden people say, well, "You know, maybe I do have a reason to go back on there." Which, which would happen over the weekend though, was really disturbing. I think it happened last night. Elon Musk said, "I even though I own a majority of the shares, I will not be on the board." One thing is, you're on the board, you can't have more than 14 percent of the shares. He's got 9.2 percent, but now I guess he could buy up as much as he wants, or he could be a hostile entity against Twitter. But it looks like they put it said they're playing nice. I decided not to be on it's, – it's a weird emoji he has out. How would you describe the emoji that describes what Elon Musk? Do you have any idea, Eric or Pete? Because it looks like surprise, his, his hands covering his face emoji. I can't figure out why he backed off I of. can't make it out either. Maybe surprise? I'm yeah, not sure. He may be surprised about this, but I'm not going to be doing it, he basically said. So it's, uh, I, it gave me great hope that he's going to be a part of it. Not that I think he's some saint from another planet. I think he's a genius. And I don't think he's necessarily conservative. I just think he's not crazy. He doesn't want to teach second graders about their sexuality. He doesn't think our border should be wide open. He thinks we should actually be providing weapons to the Ukrainians to beat the Russians. I mean, thing, crazy things like that. If we want to go electric cars, now's not the time. He has the best electric car, obviously. But he's saying right now we need to produce more oil and gas. That does not make him a conservative. But if you start saying things like the Dorm report has some merit... One of the anchors here had their account suspended for backing up the dorm report. You believe that? Incredible. Janine, listen, WLAD. Hey, Janine.
4: Hi. Uh, Yes, Brian. I would like to know what is the United Nations doing about the Ukraine? We haven't heard anything from them they
3: kicked him out you know, of you.
4: contributing to world peace.
3: Right, that's too bad. But the problem is when you have China and Russia on the security council, they're going to nix everything that's reasonable. You know, they're not going to do everything, anything that sides with democracy. So there that goes the humanitarian uh, committee, the UN humanitarian committee. Who cares? They got kicked out of that. They don't. They don't belong on it. They never should have been on it. So that's just a that's window dressing. But they don't have you know they don't have their own armed forces. NATO is a much more successful. Alliance and NATO is, to me, not doing enough. And the only reason why they're doing this, not that they are doing is because Zelensky is relentless in having these Western nations and these democratic nations support him. Do you know what he's doing today? After doing 60 Minutes yesterday, he is addressing the South Korean parliament today. The guy is uh, incredible. Here is the Ukrainian ambassador to the U.S. Uh, talking about how evil— this Vladimir Putin is cut three.
4: We just put out an official resource called uh, War, War Crimes Ukraine uh, UA. And we have the updated information there that almost half a million people, more than 400,000, have been forcefully deported or relocated to Russia. Out of them, 91,000 are children. What are happening? We are well, trying why? to locate uh, all of them and get as much information as possible. We have already evidence and accounts that they are taken to either some temporary camps, uh, that they are taking, that, that Russians are taking away their documents, that they're trying to relocate them somewhere else in in uh, in Russia and uh, ban them from moving back. Uh, so it, it's again another horrific war crime.
3: Yeah, another horrific war crime. Uh, here is General Jackeen. So today we looked at the Donbass region's got to be under attack. They put this evil general. Not that they're all evil. They have finally under, have it under a single command. They had four separate commanders. So they're taking their best forces and trying to take out the Ukrainian best forces, and then we're going to move right into Kiev. But right now, it's the Ukrainians are saying, hey, come on back. Let's reform embassy row. And Italy says, you got it. I'm coming back after Easter. And the European Union said, yeah, well, you got it. Where's America? Let's put our people back there. I'm sure there's people that would understand the the, the gravity of this and to go back there. And we'll also provide a protection because, believe me, the Russians don't want to blow up an American embassy. GENERAL JACK Keane, WHAT'S HAPPENING IN THE SOUTH, CUT eight.
9: NOW, WHETHER THEY HAVE
6: GIVEN UP ON TAKING THE CAPITAL AT SOME POINT, I DON'T KNOW THE ANSWER TO THAT. I DO KNOW THAT the, THE UKRAINIANS CERTAINLY FUNDAMENTALLY CHANGED THEIR STRATEGY. AND IF THEY'RE SUCCESSFUL IN THE SOUTH, I THINK IT WOULD BE AT SOME COST TO THE RUSSIANS, EVEN IF THEY WERE ABLE TO TAKE THE SOUTH THE, the WAY THEY WANT TO, I doubt where they would be able to generate combat power to go further to the north and try to attempt Mm -hmm. to topple a capital city. I mean, that may be something that they have in their mind, but whether they could do it or not is very doubtful.
3: And if they took one city, they lose it. Kyrgyzstan is right now the one city they occupied. They're about to lose that one. People hate them, and they have earned global hate. Good luck, China, with your best friend killing children and abducting them and murdering women who are walking in the street, or men on bicycles. That's your ally.
2: Live from the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
3: All right, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We're ready for the national edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from 48th and 6th, uh, live in New York, heard around the country, heard around the world, and hopefully resonating in the Ukraine. Uh, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show, and we got a lot to discuss today. Dan Hampton's going to be joining us shortly. Uh, Dan is lieutenant colonel, uh, 20 years in the Air Force. He's got a new book out called The Astonishing World War II Saga of One Man's Defiance and Indomitable Spirit. Uh, that comes out in about a month. And also, Dan's going to be joining us to talk about his... His uh, clashes with the Wagner Group and uh, what's happening in the Ukraine right now, because this is a critical time. Ukrainians survived round one and paid an awful price. But now all bets are off. And I'll tell you what, all hands on deck, because they got to find a way to win this Donbass fight, because um, there's so much at stake, not only for the future of Ukraine, but for the future of democracy. Next, let's get to
4: the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know It's Brian's Big Three
4: Number three Trump and his right wing followers Have continued to do whatever they can To discredit the family And therefore bring Joe down
3: uh, There you go That is Valerie Biden Yeah, Biden's cash machine Has been providing funds for the Joe's sister and family Aunt Valerie is no help to Hunter either as she blames the Republicans for taking down Hunter. Really? The crackhead who dropped a laptop off to reveal that he likes, uh, he loves to uh, consolidate, to spend some quality time with hookers and strippers while doing international deals on his dad's name and the Republicans are the ones taking him down? My goodness.
13: Number
1: two.
6: By the end of the first term of Joe Biden, nearly 20% of all Americans WILL BE HERE ILLEGALLY. THAT MEANS IN JOE BIDEN'S FIRST TERM, WE WILL HAVE MORE PEOPLE COME INTO te- into AMERICA ILLEGALLY THAN WE HAVE IN THE ENTIRE STATE OF TEXAS.
3: Uh, THAT'S UNBELIEVABLE. DAN PATRICK, ILLEGAL IMMIGRATION AND THE UNDOING OF ANY DEMOCRATIC MAJORITY IS TONE DEAF THIS TONE DEAF ADMINISTRATION NOT ONLY DOESN'T CONTROL THE BORDER BUT PROMISES TO BLOW IT WIDE OPEN WITH THE EVAPORATION OF TITLE 42 PUT IN THERE FOR THE PANDEMIC. They're telling us the pandemic's not over. They need more funds, but they say it's over when it comes to the border. Do they really think we're idiots?
0: Number one.
7: Well, it's more than just a stalemate because this battle that's shaping up in the east, what the Russian army is essentially trying to do is cut off the Ukrainian army and then kill it. And if it can do that, then the rest of the country is open.
3: Uh, That is true. Uh, There's so much at stake. Phase one of the war, Ukraine wins, but pays a big price. Russia is going south and east in order to go to get back uh, the west. Simple as this. They want to get the Ukrainians to fight in the open field. And if they can wipe out the Ukrainian elite units, they feel they can go up and take the capital. These barbarians will stop at nothing. That is clear. They have a new general in charge. They'll finally have one single commander, which should work to their benefit, sadly. Let's bring Lieutenant Colonel Dan Hampton. Uh, Dan, is pretty uh, clear that they're taking the one guy with experience, this uh, Dvorna, uh, Dvornikov, this General Dvornikov, fresh off Syria, who spent a lot of time fighting uh, in the Donbas area and in Crimea, he's taking command of these forces. What do you think it'll mean for uh, for this for the Ukrainian effort,
10: Brian? I think uh, I think some of the previous warnings are spot on. You got to remember that the terrain there is vastly different than it was in the north. A lot of open country. However, the the Ukrainians are dug in. They are. They've done everything they can. They still need our help. Uh, The weather's changing, too. It's getting a little bit drier, so it'll make it easier for the Russians to to move. I've said it before. I think I said it on your show last time. We've got to deny the control of the airspace over the Ukraine to the Russian Air Force. Now, we're not going to do that by sending our planes, but we can sure give them every surface air missile and piece of AAA anti aircraft artillery that they can use, because without air support, without control of the air, even if they bring in their massed artillery and self-propelled guns, they're going to have a hell of a time uh, dislodging the Ukrainians.
3: Uh, right, uh, but the, just showing that they'll do anything to uh, be victorious, targeting over 100, uh, over 100 medical facilities uh, on ambulances, uh, killing senior citizens, uh, kidnapping children, 91,000 children, 400,000. Ukrainians have been abducted and just brought into Russia, let alone the ones that have just been killed or buried alive, and we see a lot of them been tortured with their hands behind their back and executed, if they're willing to go to that length, what do you think we're going to see in Donbass?
10: I think you're going to see much more of the same. You asked about mercenaries. Uh, I'm very familiar with the Wagner Group. I've run across them in several places all over the world. And, and I think that's one reason why they're there. They're there to, to facilitate, let's say, the, the exit of the Ukrainians and turn that into a Russian uh, enclave. They're only about maybe 30 40% Russian minority now. But if they can force the Ukrainians to leave, kill them, deport them, disappear them, all those barbaric things Russians are good at, then now all of a sudden that becomes uh, a de facto part of Russia. And I think the, the mercenaries are also there to become the spearhead of this, this separatist army that really doesn't exist, but these guys are going to make it look like it does.
3: So the Russians lost a, their ninth commander. This latest one is a lieutenant colonel. He's a, a battlefield commander, which is unbelievable. I mean, we lose a handful over the course of 20 years. They've lost nine in six weeks, in 46 days. It's nuts. And well, now we, we understand uh, the Russian offensive is taking the city of, is targeting uh, Izium and Dnipro. Uh, a Russian strike destroyed Dnipro's airport last night. Uh, while also the Russian forces have shelled a school and two residential buildings. Uh, and making it clear they, tend, they want to terrorize civilians. What is that strategy about?
10: That strategy is about making the civilians leave. They figure that the biggest, uh, pot, you know, the biggest base the Ukraine is using for defense comes from their civilian population, which is largely true. If they can force them to leave, if they can force them to, hey, leave the battlefield to protect their families and take them out of the country, then that's just going to help. And again, that's a lot of what those those mercenaries are, are there to, to try to do. I think you're going to see a, a battle for Sloviansk, and I think they're going to continue to try to, move, to try to move west and just cause as much death and carnage as they can, hoping that the West eventually loses interest because we're remarkably, you know, short-sighted sometimes, and counting on the weakness of Joe Biden and this administration to do nothing more than really just
3: talk. I want you Boris Johnson had the courage to go to Kiev, the capital, walk the streets, cut for
9: Together with our partners, we are going to ratchet up the economic pressure, and we will continue to intensify week by week the sanctions on, on Russia, not just freezing assets in, in banks and, uh, and sanctioning oligarchs, but moving away from uh, use of Russian hydrocarbons. And we will give you the support that you need, the economic support, but also of course, the defensive military support, in which I'm proud to say that the U.K. helped to, to lead the way.
3: And they got S-300s, but they got them from Slovakia, and they got some tanks from the Czech Republic. They're getting anti-ship missiles from the U.K. and 120 armored vehicles. Why can't we give them MRAPs? They're not doing anything. They're sitting in our country. Can you imagine? We should go up to Afghanistan and say, give us our stuff back that we left behind, and then give it to the Ukrainians.
10: Well, you're right. Wherever it comes from, I don't think it will come from Afghanistan, but wherever it comes from, it should be there. And and I told you before, nobody moves stuff like we do. I mean, we put an armored brigade into Poland faster than uh, Putin can get to the outskirts of Kiev. So we could do it if there was a will to do it. But, again, that's a political decision at this point, and we all know where that's going. I mean, you know, the president's answer was to send his sock puppet to Poland, and that did absolutely nothing. So until they decide to do something, if there's time to do it, you know, you're not going to see much of an improvement.
3: So uh, a couple of things. Goldman Sachs says uh, they've the Institute of International Finance and other analysts estimate that Russia's GDP collapse could collapse, contract 10 to 15 percent. Uh, the EU, though, is still spending a billion dollars a day in energy sales and giving that to Russia. Will they be able to survive contracting and spending less and less and getting less and less from energy?
10: Yeah, there's a big difference between GDP and the Russian economy and Putin's war chest. All right, And the, the, the petrodollars are almost exclusively going into his war chest to pay for his army. So, so, um you know, choking that off is something that should have been done right at the beginning. The, The government of the United States, especially this administration, seems to love this escalated response stuff that didn't work in Vietnam. It never worked anywhere. If you're going to fight somebody, fight them. Do it hard, do it fast, do it up front and get it over with. All this has done is give Putin and his cronies a chance to explore other ways to keep their revenue streams. And as long as they keep their petrol revenue streams, their military is going to keep getting paid.
3: So you have 151 combat missions, and did you? what kind of plane did you fly? Uh, largely F-16s. How hard is it, if you can fly a MiG, how long would it take you to fly an F learn how to fly an F-16?
10: You mean if I can fly an F-16, how long would it take to fly a MiG?
3: <laughs> well, I was thinking about from their perspective. Oh, uh, from their perspective. From, but uh, like know. knowing that you know. Is it, is, a lot, is it very different?
10: Yeah, you know, I've made that point before, and it's, you know, it, most people don't realize these aren't rental cars. I mean, you can't just hop into them, turn the key, and kind of figure it out as you go. Uh, it takes F-16 school for an American pilot after he's finished flight training is 10 months. All right. Uh, Migs are completely different. So as much as I would love to say, let's give them planes, it's not just the planes. They've got to have the pilots that can fly them, which was why, why that whole A-10 idea was, was sort of ludicrous. It wouldn't work without the pilots. The best thing we can do for them is to give them surface-to-air missile systems, as many as possible from wherever we can, hopefully ones that they're already familiar with, like the Russian-made stuff they got from Slovakia. But If they don't control the air because of the SAMs and anti-aircraft artillery, then whatever ground offensive they're cooking up, which is no doubt some sort of unimaginative mass force Russian artillery, you know, frontal assault, because that's all they know how to do, then they're going to have a really, really tough time defeating the Ukrainians.
3: So, uh, Dan Hampton, i was speaking to the lieutenant colonel. So, Dan, uh, as I'm, uh, I'm thinking about right now, the president of the United States can do somewhat of a Zoom call, a conference call with the president of India. India has really hurt this effort. They continue to buy defensive weapons and oil from Russia, yet they know they're the arch enemy of China. So I understand you've got to hedge your bets and worry about your national interest. That's the largest democracy in the world. How do they sleep at night?
10: Well, they sleep at night the way, I guess, we do and everybody else does. You justify it by saying, I'm taking care of my people. Uh, I'm with you. I, I still have a bit of a conscience left, and that would be a tough one for me to swallow. What we, would, what we need to do and what you would hope somebody in the State Department and the White House has a clue about is how to make it more attractive for India to do business with us than with the Russians. And, frankly, I'm at a loss as to why these – so-called professional diplomats can't figure that one
3: out. And I'm really lost, too, at at Israel. I mean, where is Israel on this? I thought they were staying neutral in order to try to broker a peace deal, which I can understand. But Israel has no problem being on the wrong side of this, along with uh, many other uh, Middle Eastern neighbors. I want to hear what President Zelensky uh, said yesterday about what he needs and an urging to get President Biden to act because we know everything's coming down to the Russians have eight miles of a column of enforcements rolling now to the south. Cut one.
7: And
8: so what are you asking of President Biden? To tell you the truth, long ago, I asked President Biden for very specific items. He has the list. President Biden can enter history as the person who stood shoulder to shoulder with the Ukrainian people who won and chose the right to have their own country. This also uh, depends on, on him it.
3: so he's he knows he can't be too critical or else he'll lose everything but he's urging them to go work his punch list final thought
10: yeah absolutely he should but again he's dealing with a president that can't deal with an invasion on his own southern border much less than invasion in a country half a world away in the ukraine Um, I think Biden's doing what he's doing only because he feels like he has to. He can't afford not to. Remember, he was the vice president in 2014 when all this started. So I don't put a whole lot of faith in his independent decision-making capability.
3: Uh, And, Colonel, uh, uh, your book now, it's about World War II, and they say that this battle here with Ukraine and Russia is going to be reminiscent of World War II. It's going to be relatively the open field as opposed to the urban environment, and it's going to be firepower against firepower.
0: Yeah, I
10: would say I would say that's sort of right. I would more I would place it closer to World War One, uh, in in Flanders, than I would to World War Two. But you know, we'll see. I really hope they get what they need. I wish there was something I could do about it, short of running for Congress. So, uh, <laughs> let's just keep our fingers together and, and hope that our 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 so-called leadership comes through for once.
3: All right, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Hampton, thanks so much. My pleasure, Brian. You got it. one 408 We're going to come back and take your calls. Then at the bottom of the hour, one of the great talents in the history of television. And she could do it all. She can act and she can sing. Uh, Kathy Lee Gifford about her Fox Nation special and hanging out with Regis and hanging out at the Today Show and doing plays and everything else. So we'll learn about all that and more. She'll be live in studio, which is always great. I don't take it for granted ever since 2019 and the pandemic hit. We went about two years without anybody in studio. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. See so your calls are next.
2: Coming to you on a need-to-know basis because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
7: Right now, Republicans are winning the culture wars in this country. That's just the way it is. You look at defund the police. You look at defund ICE. Now in Florida, you have this parental empowerment bill. The opponents call it the don't say gay bill. Republicans have basically baited Democrats in Florida into taking the position that students in grades K through 3, students who are learning to color and read and write, should be taught about sexuality, about gender identity. So I think Democrats have consistently been at least perceived to be on the mm-hmm. wrong side of these issues, and Republicans are going to keep going to the well every time. And Ferran DeSantis, if he yeah. runs in 24, he's going to run on these issues.
3: Yeah, I think he is. It, they came right to him. and It's not even close. It's, it's not even a matter of something as uh, controversial as abortion. It's should a second grader be learning to question their gender identity Really, should you be learning that the 1619 Project should be in so the way we learn about our history, that America's built uh, on stolen land um, uh, and, and built on slavery, all things that are flat out historically incorrect? So a lot of these issues, just by being a normal person, you can't subscribe to a lot of these extremist views. Alex, listen, to WABC. Hey, Alex.
12: Hey, good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking the call. Um, I just wanted to point out that, you know, I don't know what. India's reasoning for not helping out Russia is whether I understand or helping or not, out Russia, but helping out, yeah. Um, but Israel, there's a, there's a bit of a difference between India and Israel because Israel is such a small country, and if they if they help out the Ukrainians and Russia starts up with them, it's not just Russia that's going to be fighting. The Israelis going to be Iran and some other Middle Eastern countries that, that really want to take back Israel. So it's going to be a it's, it's going to be a lot worse. And they're very scared. Were you of saying the
3: Russians it? are keeping Hezbollah in check in Lebanon? You're saying the Russians are keeping the Syrians in check and the Iranians in check in Syria? Is that what you're saying?
12: Israel is afraid to help out Ukraine because if Russia starts up with Israel, it's not just going to be the Russian country. It's going to be some other Middle Eastern countries that hate Israel that are going to help out the Russians. And then it's going to be really hard for Israel to fight back.
3: Well, you know what? Being someone on the sideline, I think they're basically siding with Russia, which is unbelievable. And also, Israel has a great moral compass. I always thought they always would try to do the right thing while still looking out for their own national security. There's one nation who's fighting for their freedom. Maybe it's an imperfect democracy. I get it, but it's clear they want to be west. And instead, you're staying on the side that might of oppression that's kills civilians and kidnaps children.
2: Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade show.
4: I always thought. I, I just thought. I'm going to do this. I'm going to move to New York. I don't have much money in my pocket, but I believe in myself. I believe that something is going to happen for me by doing this. But when I look back, I had to have a faith. I had to have a faith in a path that was going to protect me somehow. Yes. I believe now that feeling of wanting to do something big with my life is because God was saying, I'm going to take care of you.
3: And that woman that said yes in the background, brilliantly, because she's a yes. professional broadcaster, is Kathy Lee uh, Kathy Lee Gifford. Oh, she's, you were
1: gonna say Griffin, Kathy Griffin. I'll,
3: I absolutely <laughs> I'm was often not. Often
1: confused with her. Oh yeah, a little bit different.
3: <laughs> Although Kathy Lee uh, the, Kathy Lee Griffin was a um, Kathy Griffin was a friend of the network. In fact, she hosted our 10-year anniversary of Fox & Friends. I mean, that, talk about how things crazy. have changed, right? Yes. And I, I saw her the first time at the Washington uh, correspondence Dinner, maybe two years ago. And she, we had a normal conversation. And I said, well, how's everything going besides that? I want to kill. And then she went off on Donald Trump. She wants, he's trying to kill me and all this stuff. But she had a breakdown. Uh, but, well, let's get back to you. You can't keep talking about other people.
1: How do you know yeah. I haven't had a breakdown or two?
3: Well, put it this way it would have been on my notes. Because, Pete, you would have put it on the notes, right? you have. Yeah, that, I yeah, you say sure and, and, and a special and note Pete, of it. Pete likes the ballpark <laughs> the breakdowns, too. He doesn't like specific. He would say one or two. Um, uh, Kathy Lee Gifford's going to do something really cool on my favorite app, Fox Nation. It's called The Jesus I Know. It plays off her book, and she was talking about it, but not in person. Uh, the Jesus I know, honest conversations and diverse opinions about who he is. Right, Kathy Lee, welcome back.
1: Good to see you since I saw you on Fox and Friends right. this morning. I, I've been wanting to do your radio show. You, I have had a crush on you. You know this for a very long time. Right. Frank used to say, there's your boyfriend. Really? Yeah.
3: Well, put it this way. I told you my one interaction with, uh, with Frank Gifford. I had a chance to meet him in person, and it was at the... Thorpe Awards. Yes. Uh, I was out in Los Angeles doing all sports radio out there. And sure enough, I'm at the Thorpe Awards, was short lived. And Joe DiMaggio was there.
1: Wow, this does a long yeah. time ago. Yeah.
3: And then, and then Frank Gifford's there, right? So I'm going, okay, I got to get these guys. And worse comes worse. They just tell me to. No. Joe DiMaggio gives me, uh, gives me a few minutes. And then I said, I went up to Frank and he gives me an interview. And he says, I said afterwards, I said, you know, Frank, is there a way I can get in touch with you because I do this show every weekend and I'm doing this? He goes, yeah. Here's my number. If you give it to anybody, I will break your legs. <laughs> Both of them. I go, okay, it's a little violent. I would, just say, I would have just, I wouldn't buy my so words. It's so not
1: Frank. That's right. so funny. Like, you know,
3: he kind of smiled after, but yeah. he had a stern look about him.
1: He was, that was his nice way of saying, I never would, but, but I don't want you to know it.
3: Right. You know? Okay. Yeah. But, um, but he had the movie star looks his, his uh, whole life. Is that unbelievable? Do you know, I, mean,
1: I was married for 30 years to a man so much prettier than I am. And it, it, that's not easy.
3: But, but you know, but pretty billette could start an action movie. Like, you know, don't you think he was, like, cut out of stone? Did till? you know
1: that he he was signed to Warner Brothers Pictures? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, in his career, he was a stuntman at, uh, at, uh, at, in Hollywood while he was off-season at, uh, well, actually at USC. Because he would, you know, he's so athletic, and, and, and he would just, he'd said that he'd made more money just jumping under tanks and jumping over things as a stunt guy. And then one day... Uh, He was discovered that that this man made, you know, Warren Beatty look awful, you know. He was so drop-dead gorgeous. And so he signed with um, Warner Brothers, and he he did a movie called – I forget. It was about – Turnpike. Turnpike in New Jersey. And Jack Warner sitting there in the screening room watching the the dailies or whatever – and uh all these women are just going eight but they're going crazy oh he's so how cute. old is he at this point oh he's got to be uh he's late a football. 20s no 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 he's, no. Still he's in football. during football excuse me it's a little warm in here it's cuz i'm with my guy right anyway um so warner's sitting there watching the the screen and everything he says he's never going to be a movie star and and everybody goes why his, his eyes are too close together. <laughs>
3: <laughs> People say the weirdest stuff, I mean, he was uh, no, I would true. say
1: the reason he was not going to be a movie star is because he was the world's worst actor. Oh yeah, it's terrible.
3: I, I think it's so underappreciated. You so See you can do everything. you can sing, you can act, Isn't you can it amazing? write and you can host. I am. <laughs> right? I remember you did you the first thing was a singer, right?:
1: I was a singer first and then an actress.
3: Could you dance?
1: Yes. Wow. Not I don't consider myself a dancer. But, but you I,
3: had the coordination. And... No,
1: I, in our business, we say I'm a, I'm a, I I I'm an actress who can dance. You never say I'm a dancer if you're not a dancer because it's it's such a such an important. It's so it's so difficult. I would never call myself a dancer.
3: No. Um. Yeah. Because I think. Acting is so underappreciated because people. Some, I guess some people are natural doing it, but you have to be secure enough in your personality to act like something you're not.
1: Right, it's a lot of fun, actually. Is it fun? I did my. I haven't done a play in 20 years, and um, since Rupert uh, Rupert Holmes wrote one for me years ago. And uh, uh, I did it in down in Tennessee where I live. I just did a love letters, which has been done forever with Patrick Cassidy of the Cassidy family, and and I just had a ball. I had to go from a seven year old little girl to uh, a woman in her sixties, which is hard for me because I'm nowhere near, you know, my six seven. <laughs> I'm nowhere near seven. <laughs> yes,
3: that's what I'm going to go with.
1: Right. Uh, yes, yeah. And it was great fun I thought, you know, I don't use my acting chops uh, I, I made a film a couple of years ago That I wrote for Craig Ferguson And, my, and me to right. do And uh, we, I, we'd shot that in, in uh, uh, The Highlands of Scotland He's one of my favorite human beings on the face of the earth He's my favorite agnostic in the whole world And you got
3: put to, put together with him uh, Because of uh, hosting, right? Uh, the, he was a put, Well, I'd
1: known him since the Drew Carey show years before That's when we first met, and I just loved him And then um hoda was on maternity leave and he was there for five days with me and i've done a very very successful thank you lord of uh, television daily t- television with regis for 15 years and 11 years with hoda but i've never had more explosive five days in my life right. well there was that time no i'm <laughs> just kidding with um uh, with craig with uh, craig and 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 it's funny we went to lunch afterwards. He was going to get on a plane.
3: Did he feel the same way? By the way, did he tell you? Yes, yeah. because
1: we went to lunch on Friday when it was all over, and he, and we we go to lunch, and, and he says, "I'm going to, can't, I'm, I'm going to bleep him out." Okay, He said, You know, Kathy, we were trying to harness. What do we do next? You know, Kathy, if we wait for our agents, our uh-uh agents to to get us a job on television, we're going to die waiting. And I said, "Oh, you're right." He says, "Why don't we write a movie together?" I said. Fantastic idea. Okay. He got on a plane. I went to Connecticut. Two o'clock in the morning. I wake up. Bing. I go, Oh my gosh, I think I know what the movie is. I go downstairs, I light the fire, I got the puppies with me. I start writing at noon that day. I call him up and I go, Hi, hey, Craig, he goes, Yeah, what? Yeah, it's just he just got yeah, yeah. you know that movie that we we yeah. were gonna and he says, Yeah, yeah. I said, I think I just wrote it. He goes, What? He said, Kathy, i had have landed my, you know, Scottish back town to into home and, and you've written it. What are you talking about? And I said, Yeah, I've got written six scenes. I think I know what the, the character should be and what, what should happen in Scotland He goes, Well send it to me And I, so I sent it to him, he calls me the next day and he goes, Kathy this is your baby. I stand ready to serve. Wow! So we shot it in um, we shot it in in Scotland, and it was one of the great experiences of my of my whole life. And what I was the it. name of the movie? Then came you. Okay, so you can still you can still watch it. Oh, you could! I think it's like Prime Video or Hulu or those things never die. And I I uh, co-wrote all the the entire soundtrack with a brilliant writer in Nashville named Brett James and uh seven seven songs and it, it it just was a that's actually what got me to to move to Nashville the area because uh I was coming back and forth working with Brett for a year and every time I'd get on the plane to come home I honestly Brian I was just like heart sick I was just oh, why am I so happy here right. and it wasn't because I didn't love the people that I work with at the today show I do and I did Hoda's is still a very dear friend of mine but it's the culture there and I said why am I so joyful here because New York uh, as good as this town has been to me, and I've lived here for 40 years, uh, it's, the culture here has changed completely since I moved here. You
3: in. mean in a business or walking the streets?
1: Everything. Uh, there are wonderful people here in New York and New Jersey and, and, and this whole area. They're, they're, they are. I'm talking about, it's a culture, though, of chaos now to me. And I flew in, I was going to Nashville and down in South, and every time, that's a culture of kindness there. Right. People are just sweet, and it's not put on. I'm sure there are a lot of jerks. I just have never met them. Just like, you know, there's super, super good, great people up here. It's the, I noticed it, that it's the, cult, it's the quality of life eroding and that sort of thing. So I made the move. There's a line in my movie that says, uh, she says to, a, uh, to her dead husband, she says, You know, Fred, I love you, but I got I to make new memories, or the old ones are going to kill me. And I'm not ready to die. Wow, that's yet. sad though. Yeah, I it's, know what but you're it's but it's the truth. I've been away to, well, Frank's been gone now almost seven years, so Wow. It is the truth. And sometimes you gotta take a very brave leap and go someplace else. I'm sure
3: you've talked to Elizabeth Hasselback since you've been down there. Right? I did.
1: I've been together with her a couple of times, but she's I adore, I adore her. I, I I sat. She just, they, she
3: just had to get out of New York and Connecticut, and yes. she wanted to go.
1: And she did. She did right for her family. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's like I when I left the show with Regis, I I left it to do right by my family. Regis was, um, you know, he understood. I uh, I just had to get my family off the off the rags. You know, off you know, the but, news, newspaper covers. You know what's
3: also good is you actually told him ahead of time, right? So you oh, told him oh, and you, you knew about it, so you know how to land the plane. Uh,
1: well, Regis was one of my closest friends. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we never had a harsh word in 15 years. And uh, we became even closer friends after I, I left in 2000. And uh, he died just a year ago, year and a half ago now. And
3: your spouses were tight too, right? Yep. So when you guys yep. went out, it was
1: oh, oh, but you know, it's you know, Regis. We'd 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 try to make plans for a nice quiet dinner, the four of us or something, like a Valbella or one of those hey. places in 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 Greenwich. We'd walk in, we'd have a quiet little table set aside, and Regis walks in and he goes. Hello, it's Regis. That's right. Look at look at me, everybody. Yeah, Regis is here. And look, look, who, she won't leave me alone. And he'd point right. to me. It's it's Kathy <laughs> Lee. And I'm going. Oh, boy, here we go. Every single table he would go to and say hello to everybody. Yeah. He was so beloved. There was nobody in the world like Regis. Yeah. My
3: first big interview. I was in college doing college radio, and I and they always say success leaves clues. So what do you want to do? I love Letterman and I um, love Regis. Right. So I interviewed Very both different in college. Men. <laughs> yes, but they liked each other. Oh, they were cl- right. Yes, yes. Um, and they're also, uh, I think they're both very curious by nature, unbelievably talented. I think, obviously, Regis is more diverse. He could sing. He could do everything, I well, thought. Let's not
1: go that far. You don't
3: think so? <laughs> going, well, I mean, he kind of you talked it Frank,
1: through. You know what but Frank used his to his say show. about Regis's singing? What? Oh, he did a great show. Yeah. He would stand up and he would do a little shtick yeah. and all that stuff. We did it together for years. Frank once said to me, you know, Regis is not a bad singer but he can't finish a song cuz he could never hit the big note. Oh really? He, he, yeah. he just can't finish
3: the song. Wow. Uh but he I always thought he was so uh so interesting, so engaged every everything that 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 first 20 minutes that you guys would do
1: 23 is, minutes ago. Excuse to me, be. on my fault. Yeah, uh, no. I stand corrected. We started out at like Six and then went to commercial break very soon it became 23 minutes
3: and how long would you talk before you uh, not never said a word to each before other? The before. never
1: even said good morning just we just kept it really fresh
3: so he would come out and talk about what he did last night yes would you see his notes or anything we did not have notes
1: he would sometimes have what we call elements in, in you know yeah had he say he'd been to a broadway show he'd have the playbill or and yeah, we yeah. always had the newspapers Right. And it's interesting. We made a pact when we started. Uh, we were a local show for three years. And we, we had both been done national stuff. And, uh, uh, but, but, but he was well known for his n- local show in Los Angeles. And so I, I joined him in New York. And I left Good Morning America, actually. I was in line to take Joan London's place. And I didn't want to. I wanted to have fun.
3: Right. I wanted
1: to work. I didn't want to read a teleprompter. I wanted to be with that. You didn't that want
3: to guy. get up at 2.30 in the morning?
1: It wasn't that. It wasn't that. I, I'd get up that early anyway. Yeah. It, uh, it was that I, I didn't want to re- back then it was all telepromptered, and I just thought, I'm an actress, I'm an entertainer, right. I'm a singer, I, I'm not going to be happy doing this. So I said, "I'll go for a year." And uh, I, was trying, I was getting uh, a divorce in, in uh, LA. and I said, it'll be a good year for me to get away. So anyway, uh, what, would you, what did you ask me about Regis?
3: I was I'm saying the, when you first went to Regis, you wanted yeah. to be with him because you didn't want to do the Good yeah, Morning America. But there is
1: a reason for it. Anyway, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 68, so forgive me. Well, uh, um, something about Regis. I'd, oh. Uh,
3: newspapers?
1: I, yes. Oh, this, thank you for Thank you for You actually, you're a good host because you actually remember right. things. And you I'm listen, not that good a host. They you told listen. me to rap. But no, go ahead. No, no. We have I'll to talk you... about my doodah, for goodness' sake. No, no. We
3: have another segment.
1: Oh, wrap that thing.
3: Okay. All right, so we're going to talk about... But I'm going
1: to forget uh, about what I was... No, no, I'm going to... That's why
3: I'm here. Uh, the Jesus <laughs> I Know is on Fox Nation. We're going to come back with a few more minutes. We're going to play a cut from it to bump in and make sure everyone uh, clicks on it. It is uh, it is a great special host by Kathy Lee. Back in a moment.
1: No,
2: I... Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmead.
7: This is the brilliant Password player and talented writing and broadcasting star, Frank Gifford. The Password is diaper.
5: Ten points. Give you the game.
11: Absorbent.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: Diapers. Yeah! Frank Gifford on Password with Alan Ludden.
1: You know what? He was a champion a lot of the time. He just loved Betty... He yeah. and Betty White were good pals. People think that, that you know, because he was gorgeous and he was a football player, he was stupid. You know, he was not stupid. Oh, nobody he was a that. really, really bright man. And, well, Cosell said so, remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And who did, who did Cosell call when he was on his deathbed? The Gifford. He did. Oh, boy.
3: They made up at the end?
1: Well, well, he was never Frank's enemy. Frank doesn't have an enemy. But, but you know, he was just—Howard was a troubled man, and he was jealous he was jealous. I never played the game. Well, you know, then don't talk about it like you know it, like people that played the game. That's not a compliment. I know. <laughs> you know? I know. I know.
3: He didn't want. He didn't think athletes belonged in the booth, let alone play-by-play.
1: Oh my! And he was so, you know. And I, one when he was dying, we were in the car driving, and Frank called him, and he said, he said. Uh, uh Howard, I just want you to know that Kathy and I are praying for you. And and he goes, Well, I appreciate that. I can't do a good Howard. And and he said and Frank said, Well, I didn't say which way we were praying. Oh, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> he just yeah. teased him. Frank was a beautiful man. I
3: i agree. I could do a whole hour, but I want to make sure you get uh everyone knows about your special. Okay. Uh so it was on Sunday, right?
1: It premiered last night, and I think it just streams now.
3: Now it streams. Yeah. So go to Fox Nation. And it's the Jesus I know, and you want to if you in doing it. That title means something. It means that I'm not telling you how to view Jesus. Now, I want to know what you think Jesus is. Yes, right?
1: I know the Jesus that I know. Right. What I'm interested in is this Jesus that you know, and uh, even if you don't believe in him, what is your con- your your preconceptions, or what are your? Do you believe he was even a historical? Truly a historical person, or do you think you know, whatever you think? I find fascinating, and um, I've always felt like I'm not a fan of religion. I'm a fan of relationship with the living God. I don't believe it's uh, that 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 entity that that being that is uh, is somebody that we're supposed to go and visit once a week, and to, you know you know maybe pray at, you know here and there. That's supposed to be the, uh, the center of our life is our relationship with the living God, and so uh, but but that's me. And I study rabbinically, and I, I take it very, very seriously. But there are 25 stories in this book of people who are completely different from me. And actually, the the reason I wrote the book, I had no intention of writing this book. A very, very good literary agent here, and he's he, he could not be further from to, than than me right. in terms of. You wouldn't think that a, that a gay, uh, Asian, uh, Buddhist male would would be any similar at all to me. You know, and that's the problem with our world today. We want everybody to be exactly the same. I love true diversity, is is finding people like that that you think, w- what would we have in common? And then you discover lots. Right. We have a lot in common. Is, is that is that your music? I knew you were going to pick up on that. You okay. always pick up anyway, on this as if he you're said the host. write a book about that. Those are my favorite stories you ever write. How do we get the book? It's here. It's been out since. I You know what? The, I was on with you. You are busted. I, I was on with you in I, December I you when it plug. came out. I wanted no. you to blow. Pl- oh, come on. No, that's that is, it. That is not true. I need that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Joe coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Andy McCarthy is standing by, bringing us later on Hunter Biden and so much more. Also, well, we're going to be joined this hour by Steve Mosher. He's the president and popular research and institute and author of uh, Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. I read his story over the weekend. It's stunning. The Chinese have locked down. 25 to 30 million of their citizens, most of which are asymptomatic, who may, evidently may have tested positive for the coronavirus. This subvariant which gives you maybe a head cold, if that. And they have without food and water and then not, not allowed to leave their apartments. It's unbelievable. That's what we're dealing with. That's what the world will be left to if there's no America. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
4: Number three. Trump and his right-wing followers have continued to do whatever they can to discredit the family and therefore bring Joe down.
3: Uh, Biden cash machine is providing funds for Joe's sister, but Aunt Valerie is no help to Hunter as she blames the right for his unfair treatment. Yeah, is that right? It's it's, uh, the right's fault he dates hookers and strippers, smokes crack, and trades off the family name in international deals that jeopardize our national security. Yes, blame the right. Number two.
6: By the end of the first term of Joe Biden, nearly 20% of all Americans Will be here illegally. That means in Joe Biden's first term, we will have more people come into te- into America illegally than we have in the entire state of Texas.
3: Nuts. Illegal immigration. That, according to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, uh, and the undoing of the Democratic Party. If the tone deaf administration not only doesn't control the border, it promises to blow up and evaporate Title 42, which was keeping some single men here illegally from coming in. That's all gone. But the pandemic that they need financing for still exists. Go figure.
0: Number one.
7: Well, it's more than just a stalemate because this battle that's shaping up in the east, what the Russian army is essentially trying to do is cut off the Ukrainian army and then kill it. And if it can do that, then the rest of the country is
3: open. True. And that is David Martin of CBS. Phase one of the war, Ukraine wins, but man, at a horrific price. Russia is going south and east in order to go back and win the West. Simple. We have to get them the weapons they need because head to head, they beat the Russians every single time. What's the hesitation, Joe? And that's the key. Uh, with you right now is Andy McCarthy. Hey, Andy. Hey, Brian. How are you? I'm doing good. Of course, Fox News contributor, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. No stranger to the WABC audience. Uh Andy, first off, can we – I know this comes out of the blue, but is there any way these states can sue because the federal government is not providing any security and enforcing any of the laws at the border from Arizona to uh, to Texas, of course, New Mexico, and California, uh, Democratic-run states? But what about those two? Can they sue?
0: Well, they they can sue, Brian, but, like, what it'll accomplish is, uh, is dubious because, you know <laughs> – one of the we don't we don't think about this very much anymore, but one of the reasons that uh you know the framers thought that the the courts would be the least dangerous branch is because they don't have any way of enforcing their orders you know they said uh, back in those days they said they had neither the purse nor the sword they just had judgment, and you find out in a hurry when you have a a very aggressive administration that's being pushed by the ideological left, and you have judges who are trying to push back in the other direction. Um, when the media is playing for the other team, which is, would be the the uh, progressives, what you end up finding is that there's a lot of media criticism of the court, and the administration is involved not to pay a whole lot of attention to to what the judges hold. So you know, they can have litigation, but whether it'll actually, you know, the the problem is the problem that you just articulated, which is, you know, at the moment, as I understand it, there's about 7,000 uh, people a day being confronted by agents. Now, just to give people some context about that, when Jay Johnson was Obama's Homeland Security chief, he said that, you know, when it was more than 1,000 a day, uh, he was really worried because that was a bad day, and if it was 2,500 or so, that was a catastrophe. We're now at 7,000, and the estimates in uh, by some people who know what they're talking about in this area are that it, it could get up to 18,000, which means we don't have a country anymore. You know, we have, we have a border. If you let eight, 18,000 people a day come in for any length of time, you know, by the end of the year. That's a population that's bigger than many major American cities. Uh it's bigger than some states.
3: It', it, so, it people are upset. People are upset yeah. by this. I, I from wide long and wide. People that I know are not engaged politically are telling me that the border thing has them extremely stressed because it, it feels like an invasion of the country.
0: Yep. It is it, well it absolutely is an invasion. And in fact, if they were coming in with arms, they would come in probably with less than eighteen thousand people. A day and we would know it was an invasion. I you know, I just think we've gone for too long allowing with the administrations of both parties claiming that their hands are tied by you know, settlement rules that the Clinton administration made in connection with litigation and other court rulings. And you know, I hate to be I hate to, to sound alarmist about this, but you know, the Constitution doesn't put the charge – the court's in charge of border security. The federal government and particularly the executive branch, but the executive branch in Congress are in charge of border security. And does anybody think that if – let's say there really was an armed force coming across the border, um, if if a crazy judge ruled that, you know, uh, you can't take up arms against them, or you know you have to register these people, or the, you know, or, or some crazy ruling. Do, does anyone think anyone would pay any attention to that? It's the it's yeah. the executive branch's job to secure the border. We don't have a federal government for much more than that, Brian. You know they're very good at telling us like. Uh, you know how big and hot the microwaves are supposed to be, and you know what kind of serial numbers belong on ghost guns and you know, but you know the, the thing we actually have a federal government for is security from outside threats to the United States. And the framers anticipated that the states would take care of most law enforcement, but they inferred a federal role in immigration enforcement precisely because, the federal government is the sovereign as far as the border is concerned, and that, you know they obviously have a border security role. And you know, I know, I, I know it's tried to say that uh, you know uh, the government seems to be a lot more concerned about the borders of of Ukraine than the border of the United States. You know, that's a that's a good line. But the reason that it resonates with people is there's a lot of truth to it. There's a disaster going down on our border, and the government seems completely inattentive to it.
3: Uh, it, And it's going to get worse. Uh, And evidently, if you read the New York Times today, the infighting there, they're fighting over how bad they can deal with it. Uh, One's worse than the next from Susan Rice on down. And the people that wanted them to keep the Trump stuff in place are all resigned from their position. So we're uh, temporarily, I'm pretty pessimistic about not having 18,000 a day at the border asked to come in starting May 23rd. But I wanna give to go to the the Hunter Biden situation. I understand family wanna believe that their family members are innocent, but the blaming has to stop. This is the younger sister of Joe Biden talking about Hunter, cut 19.
4: The campaign met and exceeded my expectations of being ugly and degrading, disrespectful, a disservice to the country. Trump and his right wing followers have continued to do whatever they can to discredit the family and therefore bring Joe down.
3: Is that what the right wing's doing or is it just by uh, the FBI is doing an examination and the IRS was just curious why they don't get paid from all the money he makes?
0: Yeah, you know this is an investigation that's been going on since 2018 yep um and it's uh, you know it's a very well founded investigation the question is how serious are the crimes that have been considered the, the tax crimes as i've pointed out at national review are so serious and so inescapable that hunter himself of course after joe was safely elected uh, came out publicly and said his lawyers had been advised by the Justice Department, not by the Trump administration that didn't exist anymore. You know, not right, not by the vast right-wing conspiracy. They were advised by the Biden Justice Department that he was under investigation. And anybody who's paid attention to this, obviously the media hasn't paid much attention to it. But you know, there were tax liens on his properties going back to like 2018, maybe 2017. It's been well it's been very widely known that he's got a lot of problems, and I think that, that you know, look, as you point out, you know Biden's sister or, or whoever uh, that is on that tape, you know, they're family members, you expect them to say things that are sympathetic. But I do uh, you know, just to talk to uh, about what the White House people have had to say, you know the political people who get paid for this, you know, I think Brian, they pay a real price for the fact that the media doesn't um, give them a hard time about stuff, because they're lazy. You know, they they have real factual things that they have to answer now, and the public is not gonna, you know, if the media now is gonna start to cover this thing, it's not a defense to say vast right wing conspiracy or Trump, 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 Trump. You know, you you got Biden, Hunter doing business with these Chinese ventures that are connected to the Communist Party and the regime, and there's millions of dollars changing hands. In one case, which is the smaller of the two cases, the Bidens got paid around six million dollars. Five million of that went to Hunter and and uh, and the president's brother Jim. Uh, that's the case where it looks like the documents showed that there was a 10%. Uh, part of the stake in that that was supposed to go to Joe himself under circumstances where you have other recordings in which Hunter is talking about paying the family's, you know, bills and obligations and that sort of stuff. You have a witness who says he was at two meetings face to face with Joe Biden. Tony Bobulinski. And in that, in that, yeah. And in that connection, 1 million went to Hunter because he was retained by the head of this Chinese regime connected conglomerate, CEFC to find out if another executive there was under investigation by the Justice Department. He was paid a million dollars as a lawyer for that. Right, And so, it turned out the guy was under investigation by the Justice Department and got convicted.
3: So Miranda Devine, who had the laptop from hell, said that in, she's hearing from the grand jury testimony behind closed doors, and Joe Biden's name famously was referred to as the big guy gets 10%, cut 26
1: we do know that they're um, starting to interview Hunter Biden's business partners. They've been doing that at least since last summer. Um, and, uh, you know, we would expect that at some point Tony Bobulinski would be interviewed. Uh, we know that Hunter's former business partner, Devin Archer, has been mm-hmm. interviewed and potentially uh, other business partners. So uh, they've been subpoenaing Hunter's uh, bank accounts and they've been asking witnesses who is the big guy, which we're told is... So that's uh, key.
3: They're asking... Asking other witnesses who the big guy is, I guess they probably, if they're doing a serious investigation, they bring in Tony Bobolinsky before this investigation be complete, I imagine, right?
0: Well, I, as we understand it, Brian, Bobolinsky actually did get interviewed by the FBI back when Tucker was uh, interviewing him on, on Fox, I think, if I remember that right. Um, and Devin Archer, of course— was just convicted and sentenced in a separate fraud case where the Hunter Biden's name came up in the evidence, but he wasn't, uh, he wasn't charged in the case. So, you know, th- there obviously there's a lot of things to, uh, uh, to ask these people about. But one thing I would uh, encourage people to keep an eye on, it seems to me like the least interesting crimes potentially here are the tax crimes. And yet the Justice Department is, is carrying this apparently as a tax case. And what I just, this is a little inside baseball, but what people need to understand is, most other crimes get investigated at the district where the crime gets committed. So the the Hunter Biden investigation is mainly in Delaware. But when the government carries something as a tax investigation, the Justice Department at Maine Justice has a tax division. And tax cases are handled differently than other cases. They get a lot of supervision from Maine Justice. So like, for example, when I was in New York, if I were, was investigating the mafia or terrorists right. or a big fraud organization, I got to do the case in New York, basically run it myself. If I brought tax charges, suddenly I had the Justice Department supervising it. So the, the fact that they're carrying this as a, as a tax case uh, indicates that um, you know the Justice Department in Washington, which would be the Biden administration political appointees at the Justice Department, are going to have a lot to say about it.
3: Yeah, I would hope, I would hope so. I mean, at the very least, uh, these programs and these international uh, deals have to be examined. If it's just a tax case, that would be nuts. Uh, considering you know everything else that could be going on, trading on influence, and, and I just can't believe this exchange even today. So you know about uh, legal. You also know about being a journalist because you actually write columns with. Uh, Positions and you try to find holes in people's arguments. So this took place last week, and this is a college freshman, Daniel Schmidt, to the editor of The Atlantic, Ann Applebaum. Listen to what this question and her ridiculous answer. Cut 21.
5: Do you think the
2: media acted inappropriately when they instantly dismissed uh, Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian disinformation? My
1: problem with Hunter Biden's laptop is, I think, totally irrelevant. I mean, it's not whether it's disinformation or—I mean, I don't think the— Hunter Biden's um, business relationships have anything to do with who should be president of the United States.
3: How could you say that, Andy? How how could you say that?
0: Well, she, you know, it's ridiculous for her to say it, but it's particularly ridiculous to, for her to say that, as my colleague uh, David Harsanyi pointed out at National Review, because she didn't think it was irrelevant at the time when they were dismissing it as a hoax. And what she was saying at that time was that it wasn't even if she said that even the rumored things that hunter biden was involved in were not as serious as what the trump children were involved in so when it was trump's children she thought it was very relevant uh, to who the president of the united states was and now that it turns out that the laptop is real after all which was obvious back then by the way she suddenly thinks it's irrelevant
3: go get him andy andy mccarthy thanks so much we're not buying it calls next
2: talk show that's getting you talking you're with brian kilmeade
3: i endorsed another person today dr
7: oz in pennsylvania dr oz great guy good man good man harvard educated tremendous tremendous career and they liked him for a long time that's like a poll you know when you're in television for 18 years that's like a poll that means people like you
3: and that was uh, surprising to many in the Trump world, when he went with Dr. Oz. Loved Dr. Oz. Uh, great friends with him. Dave McCormick was leading in some of the polls. He uh, also was in the military, wrestler at West Point, uh, became uh, the CEO of Brightwater, this big-time hedge fund. And then he served under Hank Paulson in the government and then decides, I'm going to quit that job and run for the uh, for Pat Toomey's position as an ex-senator from Pennsylvania. I mean, it's going to be a tough general election anyway. But Dr. Oz got the big endorsement on Friday, on Saturday night from Donald Trump. And people like uh, that were very involved with the Trump administration before Dave McCormick. We've had them both on the show. Um, It's hard to imagine. I mean, to see Dr. Oz on the stage is pretty amazing because zero notes. He's used to doing this for a living. Great communicator, really great surgeon as well. And successful syndicated host for 12 years. 12 years. We come back, we talk a little China. Steve Mosher. Why they're all locked down. And by the way, it's going to hurt us with our food and our chips.
2: He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Welcome back, everybody. I want to bring, before I bring in Steve Mosher, who wrote the book China's... uh, who wrote the the book, uh, Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. I want you to hear this. (laughs) That is the screaming in Shanghai in China when they locked down 25 million people, many without food or water, because they tested positive for some subvariant of the virus, most of them are asymptomatic. No one ever thought they could give, they'd had to give them all food and water in order to stay in their apartments. And if they go out, they'll be arrested, and who knows what will happen. This is astounding to think you would do this to your own citizens. I'd be astounded to think you'd do it to your own enemies. Steve Mosher sure isn't. He's president of Populism Research Institute and author of that book, Bully of Asia. Steve, what do you think when you hear that screaming?
11: Well, I think how, uh, it's a sound of desperation. I mean, you don't cr- protest the government in China under any circumstances. My goodness, that is, that is a crime for which you can be arrested. And now you have people coming to the windows, the balconies of their apartments in Shanghai, 20, 25, 26 million people locked down uh, without food uh, for days, and in some cases now for three weeks. And uh, they're screaming and they're saying, we have no food to eat. We're starving to death. Uh, do something. And some of them, of course, in desperation, have actually jumped off the balconies, off the rooftops of their high-rise apartment buildings. And then you have the Chinese Communist Party sending out drones to fly in front of these apartment buildings where people are emitting these primal screams, just screaming in agony over their their hunger, their frustration of being locked up for weeks on end. And the drone will say over the loudspeaker, uh, please do not protest. Please obey the rules of the Communist Party it's it's just incredible it's totalitarianism run amok
3: yeah i mean if uh, there was no america that's what the that's how the world's going to look
11: <laughs> yes absolutely you know and i'm reminded you you might think this is just the, the reason why they're still carrying on the total control approach, right, the totalitarian approach to trying to corral the coronavirus, you might say it's just because, well, politicians you know, never want to admit that they were a mistake. But I think that the Chinese Communist Party's insisted on lockdowns is an expression of its drive for total, total control. You know, at the very beginning, I was in China in 1980 at the very beginning of the one-child policy, and, and they had a senior Communist Party official say in 1980, we're a socialist country. We control reproduction in the same way we control production under a state plan. And they did. For 35 years, they controlled reproduction. They told women when they could have babies, how many babies they could have, when they needed to be contraceptive and sterilized. Now – The leader of China seems to be saying we're a socialist country. We can control the replication of a virus in the same way we control production under a state plan. You can't do that with a highly infectious airborne respiratory virus. But they're going to do it even if it kills people, and it is.
3: So, by the way, they got a bad vaccine. Uh, Number two, then you would think they'd since they bestowed this virus on the world, you think they would know that locking down if they're going to school on this is not going to be effective, let alone shutting down their economy. It's uh, it's against their own interest. But if they can't provide the food, do they just expect to have corpses? What's the point? And most of these people are asymptomatic.
11: Well, yeah, almost all of them are. I mean, you've got 26 million people. Uh, Every day you have 15,000, 20,000 people testing positive for COVID, whatever that means. And of that, you have a tiny fraction, usually a few hundred, who actually have symptoms. And because of that minuscule number of people testing positive, because of the even tinier number of people who actually have symptoms, they're locking down 26 million people. And anyone who tests positive has to go into quarantine. And this isn't, you know, a five-star resort quarantine. These are makeshift shelters where there's no food, there's water. We have pictures of people being taken to these quarantine centers, and they're fighting over food and blankets and water because those things are in very short supply. Um, So that's what they're doing to people who test positive. And they're taking kids away from their parents. If your two-year-old tests positive for COVID and you don't, Guess what? Your two year old is taken away and put in a uh, containment center as well. How, how, how do you think the kids are reacting to that?
3: Uh, obviously, the kids are kids, right? They don't know. Uh, they don't know any better. But the the iron hand of China who pretends that they're in they're basically you know, they've only lost about 4000 people during this pandemic. Is that even yeah. possible?
11: No, no. The numbers are far, far higher than that. But that's how they sold their coronavirus lockdown tactics to the world, right, Brian? Right? They said in the beginning, it's highly infectious, uh, we're gonna lock down. And the rest of the world said, well, China's saying it's highly infectious and very deadly, so we better lock down too. And we locked down because China told us that their containment strategy was working. Yes, we stamped out the virus in Wuhan, only a few thousand people died, uh, tens of thousands got ill, but they recovered now. And the only cases coming in are cases being brought in by foreigners. That's what they told us for years and the rest of the world followed. Australia, New Zealand, uh, France, Germany, Italy, a lot of countries in Europe, uh, Australia and New Zealand went into total lockdown. Did it stop this highly infectious airborne virus? No, it it continues to spread. We're all now realizing we're just going to have to live with it in the same way we live with the seasonal flu. But the Chinese Communist Party says, no, we're going to continue to lock down Forever, my favorite cartoon is a is a person in hazmat garb. They call them in China Big Whites. They, the guys walk around the streets enforcing the quarantine, staring into a cell where a dead person lies on the ground, saying to the dead person, "You see, we've killed the virus."
3: Yeah, exactly. But right now, we understand that they want their zero COVID strategy was so effective. They claim they were arresting mayors when an outbreak broke out in their towns. I mean, that's how nuts this is. So now this subvariant, which travels so quickly but is not so, – ne- doesn't leave you seriously ill, uh, so they're still testing like crazy. But do they understand if they are about the economy first and about military threats, do they understand if they lock down a city of 25 million or any million that it hurts them economically? Why wouldn't they put that first and make these people work through it?
11: Well, first of all, the Ch- Chinese Communist Party can never be wrong in anything, right? It is always right even when it makes disastrous mistakes like killing off 400 million. Of its citizens in utero and afterbirth in the one-child policy, even when it makes this terrible mistake of locking down 26 million people in China's major financial center, in China's major international port, now locked down for several weeks, unable to do business, uh, they can't be wrong, and so they they will never back down. The other thing this does, though, I think, is it maintains the muscular tone of the system. You see, these totalitarian systems need to test the efficacy of their controls from time to time, and locking down these people and sending in the military to. Force it shows the rest of China, one point four billion people that yeah, the Chinese Communist Party is in charge, and you better do what they say, regardless of what it is they're telling you to do I guess so so. It, it maintains yeah
3: uh, I guess we'll see where that where this ends up, so China and their evaluation of their relationship with Russia. They see that Russia's uh, shot at and and blown up over 100 medical facilities, shooting at ambulances, uh, kidnapping 90,000 children. 400,000 have just disappeared uh, from Ukraine. They're killing innocents, burying mayors and their families with their hands bound. And see uh, how they're getting their head handed to them uh, with the Ukrainian military, even though there's battles to be fought. Do you think China is beginning to question their relationship with Russia or how they're going to portray it?
11: No, I I think they're delighted with uh, the the war that Russia is inflicting upon Ukraine. Uh, They're happy because it enables them to make Russia dependent upon China. And what Russia really wants to do, Brian, is it wants to reconstitute the old Sino-Soviet bloc. You know, back in the 50s, uh, the Soviet Union and the People's Republic of China were joined at the hip. They had an alliance, right? It broke apart in the 1960s. But China would like to start it up again, this time as the senior partner with Russia as the junior partner, doing what, supplying oil and natural gas and wheat and other raw materials to Chinese uh, the China's industrial machine uh, with China's population, of course, and that industrial machine and raw materials from Russia. It can dominate Eurasia, uh, you know, the, the world island. Uh, and it can dominate from there the rest of the world. But they also so, see how the,
3: uh, the these economic sanctions are hurting Russia. And do they really want to go through something where the, Taiwan, obviously, not a threat to them, I'm just like Ukraine was never a threat to Russia? Do they want to put? Uh, do they want this type of unnecessary economic stress?
11: Well, I think I think they're they're determined to take Taiwan back. Uh, They're already overdue, by the way. The leader of China, Xi Jinping, the new Red Emperor, said that uh, by 2020, we will have taken back Taiwan. It's now 2022. Their plans were delayed by the the, the COVID outbreak. But make no mistake, they're building up a marine force. They're building up their navy. They now have the largest navy in the world, the largest submarine force in the world. And sooner or later, they will move on Taiwan if they think they can take it in a reasonable length of time. And that means that right now we don't need to wait until conflict breaks out between China and Taiwan. Uh, We need to arm Taiwan. Now Taiwan can afford to buy weapons from us. We ought to be selling them weapons. Um, We've agreed to sell them, for example, 100 harpoon anti-ship missiles. Okay, the deal's already been signed and sealed, but the missiles won't be delivered until 2025. That's three years down the road. That's far too late. Those missiles, those anti-ship missiles, which could sink an invading fleet from China, should be delivered tomorrow. If you want to prevent war, uh, you have to do that.
3: Right. So overall, when they see the fact that Europe, uh, uh, Europe has never been so united, NATO never been so galvanized, troops are being built up all around that region. And then you look at the fact that Sweden and Finland say we're going to apply to be members of NATO. In many ways, what what Russia tried to do is totally having the total opposite effect. Can't China see that? Now they're going to have a unified Europe to try to divide?
11: Yeah, China sees that. But it also sees that Latin America, much of Asia and Africa has not gone along with the sanctions. This is kind of NATO going it alone, and obviously we're the largest military and political and economic force in the world. But it is telling uh, that much of the rest of the world, uh, Brazil, for example, India, have not gone along with the sanctions. And unless you can have a unified world response, China is thinking to itself, maybe we can survive the sanctions. If we get Russia as a tributary state, if we get Russia as a supplier of raw materials for our factories, uh, maybe we can survive the sanctions that are being imposed and you know we're still buying europe is still buying russian oil and natural gas gas pump the bank that handles those transactions in russia has not been sanctioned so the oil and natural gas continues to flow the ruble has recovered uh, from its dip and it's now back to pre-war levels so you know the sanctions we talk about the sanctions but uh they really haven't hit Russia as hard as some people think.
3: Steve Mosher, thanks so much. I mean, those screams are haunting. We'll see how many people yes. will die being as they wait for the virus to leave their system. Uh, Steve Mosher, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Uh, also, keep in mind too, his book is uh, still out. Uh, it is called The Bully of Asia, and man, how appropriate. Real quick, I want you to weigh in on what's going on over the weekend. The president went out there in a limb and, and picked Dr. Oz. Said, "I'm going to back Dr. Oz." You now, Dave McCormick. You have Hope Hicks and others that have worked for him in the past. I know he thinks highly of, but it looks like Melania wanted him to go with Dr. Oz, and he did. I'm, I think Dr. Oz would be a great uh, would be a great senator. I think Dave McCormick would be a great senator too. I think they're unbelievably qualified. This is truly service for both of them. They actually want to give back. They already have fame and fortune, so and they are self made both of them. But uh, but making that choice is kind of uh, uh, relatively unique. Also, I think it's pretty interesting that the president's putting himself out there because in picking a candidate like that, Dr. Oz could lose. In going out and picking Purdue to run against Governor Kemp, who's trailing by double digits, uh, it's more than likely uh, Purdue is going to lose. In going out and picking that congresswoman to go against Liz Cheney in Wyoming, and Liz Cheney getting a ton of money from the left, there's an excellent chance that Liz Cheney will win. So the president's putting a lot of his prestige out in situations where he's on the line. People look at his effectiveness for 2024 and the likelihood of him walking through the nomination on these candidates that he picked for the primaries. So don't forget, I'm on number at the top of the hour. When we come back, we'll find out this there's indeed more to know. We talk a little sports.
2: If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian
10: Kilmeade. You know, it's a dream come true just to be in the field this week and um, to have the honor of winning. I, I, I really can't put it into words, and I'm so thankful just to uh, be part of such a great event. So, so thank you to you guys. Thank you to the fans for coming out and supporting. I, I fed off your energy this week, and it was a lot of fun, and, you know, I, I can't thank you all enough for your support. I'm going to look at my family. Hopefully I won't be too emotional. But, um, you know, I'd like to thank first and foremost my wife, Meredith, And then my sisters, Molly and Callie, and uh, and then, you know, my parents, and um, I'm so blessed. I...
3: Uh, there you go. Scott Scheffler, uh, emotional, obviously, winning wire to wire. The Masters finishing at 10 under par uh, for the win shot of 69-67 in a second round uh, and a 71 in the third and fourth rounds. That will be enough to win it and uh, congratulations to him. But the big story was Tiger Woods. Rory McIlroy was incredible, too. I think he shot a 64, uh, including a, a putt uh, that went in from the bunker. Pretty amazing. But it wasn't enough. I think he lost by three strokes. And Scotty Scheffler's 25 years old. I just love it. Everyone says the same thing all the time. Let's find out if there's more to know.
2: More to know.
3: When these guys win young, they're like, look out. He's going to dominate for ages. Jordan Speed, Rory McElroy. It's almost impossible to do it because we got spoiled with Tiger. Yeah, because it was was like
1: a given. Number one forever. What I do like about these type of stories, though, you have a guy that last year was 18th, the year before was 19th, so never really came close, and now he's uh, he's the top golfer in the nation.
3: Next, get ready for some football. The USFL will kick off Saturday. Uh, There'll be two games, all games played in Birmingham. You'll recognize all the team names from the New Jersey Generals to the Birmingham Stallions to the – Uh, to the Houston Gamblers. It's going to be a a fun season. Fox and NBC are going to be airing it. First game is Saturday at 6.30 at night on Fox. Uh, The Generals against the Birmingham Stallions. That'll be at 7.30. Uh, This is going to be so cool. The broadcast is going to be great. They got the quarterback calling the signals. You'll be able to hear them as clear as day. The coaches calling the plays from the offensive, from the booth, into the headset, and then out there. And you're going to have helmet cams on some of the players, so you're going to see what it's like to be a linebacker or, an op- or a wide receiver.
1: And it's, if I believe I'm i correct, the first time since the first ever Super Bowl that it's a joint network operation, at least for this first game. Yeah,
3: they're working together. Yeah, absolutely. Next, uh, a radical environment group is raising a few eyebrows on Twitter after encouraging people to get this. Let the tires out of SUVs in apparent bid to combat climate change. Maybe discourage people from driving tr- their trucks that they paid yeah, eighty thousand dollars
1: for, and taking a lot of people off. So you go out to, for, to drive and you've got no air in your tires, and then you're uh, it's, it's these radicals that you have to blame. For
3: these it. people just suck. Next, the competition be is debut uh, competition series going to debut this week on the broadcast network in two thousand five. It looks like it looks Dancing like with for the sure. stars. Yeah. yeah, Dancing with the Stars is going to go to Disney Plus and leave ABC. So they're still going to have all the bells and whistles, but they're going to try to see if they can get a popular show and have everyone go and watch it streaming. When yeah, you say po- streaming to a lot of people over
1: 60, they don't know what the hell Th- you're talking that's about. That's what I was going to say, especially when it comes to sports. Because I remember when the like, Yankee games here in New York moved to the MSG network, a lot of elderly people didn't have cable lo- locked out. Now you got the elderly that don't know how to stream are going to be locked out of their sports events.
3: Yeah, 6 million watched last year. Uh, two years ago, it was 7.3 million. We'll see what happens next. I'm surprised about this. CBS, lo- lowest rate of the network news. Nora O'Donnell has signed a new deal. She'll stay there for the next three years. Remember that story leaked out that she's hard to deal with and demand who refuses to go to uh, on-site to locations? I thought it was the beginning of trying to sully her and get her out, but no. And she's keeping her uh, position also uh, with 60 Minutes as well. Really? I didn't know she did 60 Minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me see. Anything else we want to go over? Betty White's estate going up for auction. Over 1,500 pieces of memorabilia from Betty White. I loved her best as a contestant or a celebrity contestant on Password. And she was great as herself on Password on The Odd Couple. Absolutely. Al Ludden was the host. And her husband.